Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus, <coughs> episode 497, coming to you on the 26th of September, 2023. Yes, it's the second day back from the long overdue vacation, and it is a Texas Tuesday. Before we get to the <coughs> topic du jour, if you will. Talking about Texas, let me remind you the best way you can make a difference is like, share, and subscribe to this program. I know that sounds trite, petty, whatever. You know, I've got, uh, you know, 60, 70 followers, whatever it is on on the podcast itself. I, I know I only get credit for all of four listeners, but the reality is I am closing in on 200,000 downloads and I haven't officially hit 500 episodes yet. So we're getting there. We are getting the word out. We are building the audience. We can and should make a difference. People in McKinney know what's going on. So speaking of McKinney, in my absence on this here Texas Tuesday, it should be noted that the long-awaited trial, if that's what you don't want to call it, the political gamesmanship, of the impeachment of AG uh, Ken Paxton, uh, they found him not guilty. They couldn't convict him. Now, one would suspect that would be the end of it. One would hope that we're done with this now. One would think that we're ready to move on and get uh, the business of Texas done. We shall see. We shall see what happens with Speaker Dade Phelan. If... There are any consequences, real or imagined, that befall him. What is also interesting to see is what, if any, consequences are going to be felt for the state representatives that share the home county of A.G. Paxton. Now, uh, it was kind of a surprise to me that they all went along for that ride. Uh, I understand their arguments. I, I actually had the benefit of having a direct conversation with my own state rep. Uh, We're going to agree to disagree on what he chose to do and taking him at his word, giving him the benefit of the doubt, which I know a lot of people don't think he deserves any longer. I I get it. I get it. But if the man's going to sit across the table from me and tell me, look, this is how I approached it. This is what I think. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to disagree with him. I'm going to I'm going to say I think you're wrong. But I'm going to give him enough grace to do that. Now, whether or not that's going to come with a consequence is really the question, right? Now, I've long said that I'm not sure the notion of going after all of our state reps is a good idea. I mean, the last thing I want is for the grassroots to burn themselves out trying to run off incumbents that are extremely difficult to beat. If you pick one or maybe two, that would make sense. But we have a Democrat in a House seat in Collin County, which hasn't happened since I've lived here. So I'm not quite sure why we would choose to deal with the rhinos, right? I know they're rhinos. I know we got they got to be dealt with. I get it. But it would seem to me the higher priority would be flipping 70 back. We, will, we want to have all Republicans. Now, look, I'm fully aware... This is, this is a bad argument, right? 
better to have a bad Republican than a Democrat. Yeah, okay, I, I'm going to grant you that. But if we even had a mediocre Democrat or, or, or a, mm, God forbid, a moderate Democrat, I could see that argument. But somehow... <laughs> A leftist Democrat got elected. Now, apparently, this uh, Democrat uh, state rep is actually plausible on one or two issues of note uh, and is uh, apparently quite the nice person in real life. So that that is interesting. How, how do you run an effective campaign against somebody that people actually like? We, we've run into this before, uh, those people that live in McKinney, right? You have a mayor that's popularly elected, and for whatever reason, 60-some percent of the people that actually bother, bother to show up to vote are happy with the guy. Now, whether it's because he puts on a good show or whether because he hides behind his wife or whether because his wife's just a great person and everybody gives him a free pass or whether it's that his, some of his policies have benefited the state of Texas and Mm, Collin County and McKinney specifically, maybe I, 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 I'm not willing to say that, but it's a possibility that people think that, or, or maybe just maybe people are just so happy to be in McKinney that they think whatever we're doing is working well and why change it? Which honestly, if I was going to go for an explanation, that would be it. McKinney's a great place. It could be better. But it could be a whole lot worse. And it's not a whole lot worse. So the current mayor gets to take credit for that. I mean, it's only fair. I mean, if it was terrible, we'd be blaming him. Now, allegedly, in my absence, again, a whole lot of things have happened in the week I was gone. The mayor of Dallas allegedly became a Republican. Well, I'm not sure if that's a great thing. I mean, when you consider we've got Mitt Romney that poses as a Republican, we've got Jeff Leach that thinks he's a Republican. And Oh, you know, any number of other people that put an R after their name somehow get a free pass. Now, that being said, if the policies of the mayor of Dallas were actually to tilt right or to not be leftist, progressive stuff, okay, fine, maybe, maybe I'd be okay with that. But if all we're doing is flipping party affiliation to, I don't know, suck up to some people, not impressed, not impressed at all. Now, I've often said that I'm a Republican by necessity, right? I want to get stuff done. I want to make a difference. And the only way to do that effectively in the state of Texas is to do it with an R after your name. And, you know, a lot of their policies, I agree with. I, I'm in large, largely in agreement with them. And I have this uh, crazy notion that I can help make a difference. Part of it is because I do this show and I get the word out and I, I cheerlead, if you will, for different uh, projects and groups that I'm affiliated with or uh, support, i.e. Texit, right? The Texas Nationalist Movement. I, I'm thrilled to death that I get to call myself a member. And, you know, <laughs> I've got a uh, pending invite to come speak at their uh, Texacon in uh, November. Looking forward to that. Hoping I can make that work. But the reality is, if you do nothing, if you do nothing, evil prevails, right? All it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. And I kind of fancy myself a good man. <laughs> now, maybe, maybe 
That's a stretch. <laughs> Maybe there are those out there that would disagree with that moniker, right? Stephen Callis is a good man. But I believe myself to be a good man. Uh, I believe that uh, I meet the basic criteria of being a good man. And everybody else has their own idea what being a good man is. But for starters, I mean, I've been married to one woman. Don't have anybody else. Don't have any skeletons in that closet, if you will. Can't say I was perfect as a teenager. Can't say that, you know, uh, (laughs) maybe didn't do a thing or two that I ought not have done when I was a young man. But never cheated on my wife, never stepped out on her, never did anything to embarrass her, uh, never been drunk. Uh, it's simple stuff. Look after my kids, raise my family, put my family's needs first. You know, these are basic things. These are things that are, are so <laughs> bare minimum it shouldn't be that hard for anybody to reach that. You know, my word is my bond. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it, even when it hurts. If I owe you money, I'm going to pay it back. It may take a while, but you're going to get your money. If I owe it to you, uh, I gave you my word. I have some honor there, right? I once had a friend in high school that would tell me, Stephen, I'm not going to borrow you any money. Okay, why? Well, you know, we're friends and if you should not pay me back, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to lose your friendship over that. I'm like, I get it. I think it's silly, but I get it. I respect that. So my thing was, is I took the tact. I'm, I'm just going to give you some money. If you choose to give me some money back later on, great. Um, but I mean, $5 or less, who cares? I mean, if $5 back then was enough to buy a really nice lunch <laughs> at McDonald's, now not so much, but the idea is, is if I'm going to give somebody some money, I'm just going to give them the money. And if they pay me back or they give it back to me, great. I don't think that's any, you know, great accomplishment, but it's a simple thing. If, you, if you're going to do something for somebody and you expect something in return, well, that's a quid pro quo and you're not willing to do it unless you're getting something out of it. That's, that's a challenge. I had another friend that once asked me when I was trying to help him accomplish something. And he said, well, what's in it for you? I said, that's a fair question. Uh, nothing really. Um, I would like to see this, this specific issue be heard. I would like to see this program move forward. And if I get a pat on the back for it, great. If I don't, that's fine. I, I, I support the idea. I support this, um, Movement, if you will. Uh, let's do it. I'll help you. I don't want anything. You know, thank you is sufficient. I, I, I don't think that's any thing worthy of praise. I just think that's the way we all should live. And, and if you don't, you don't. I mean, it's not my job to hold your hands <laughs> to get there. Bringing this back to Texas, right? So we have a group of people that we spend time, money, and effort to elect, and they're supposed to represent us. And when they don't, and we call them on it, they act surprised. They push back. They don't care, or they don't even answer. 
Now, you can say what you want about my state rep, and I don't claim to have any special relationship there. I, I don't believe I do. But when I call and ask him a question, he'll call me back. When I have when I have uh, something I'd like to know or something that uh, is important I want to talk to him, he'll make time to follow up with me. And I, and I think that's the bare minimum. I, I really, I do. And again, to be fair, his predecessor did the same thing. So again, this is a bare minimum. Now, would I like it if he championed some of the causes that I believe in? Sure. Would I be impressed if he were to, you know, call me in and ask my advice or something? Oh, sure. But I don't expect any of that to happen. These guys don't get to where they're at by worrying about what I think, apparently. (laughs) Nor you, for that matter. So, look, we're in Texas. We're blessed. We're the most important state in the union. Now, so long as we stay part of the union, we're strapped to 49 other states that have issues. We're responsible for helping to save the other 49 states from themselves. And that's a challenge for me. I mean, I'm already at the point of mind that, yeah, if there's a logical way that we can pull off uh, Texas independence, let's do it. I'm, I'm done worrying about New York, California, New Jersey, Illinois. I'm just done. And while we're at it, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Oregon, Washington. I mean, even Virginia has been lost. How does this happen? Again, good men do nothing. I believe there's lots and lots of good men out there. I mean, the minimum threshold that I just put down, they're everywhere, but they do nothing. Yeah, and I've heard the insult that you get your politics from a bumper sticker. Okay. If you get your information from NPR, how is that any better? I mean, look, I would love to believe that we have generation after generation of well-educated and well-adjusted adults out there that actually think with logic and consider the consequences of every action that they choose to support or oppose But we know that's probably not the case. As a matter of fact, for at least five generations, the school districts, the school system, the government schools have done their level best to take away your ability to critical think. They've dulled your senses. They've gotten you to the point where you question nothing. Which is ironic considering my parents' generation, right? The uh, hippie boomers, they, they were the ones that said, question everything and trust nobody over 30 yet now they're you know 70 something and we're supposed to not question them and we're supposed to take care of them until they die well i mean if they're your family that is kind of a responsibility again part of being a good man but if you're a 60 some old single person that never had a family why is it my responsibility to look after you it's a good question now maybe if you belong to my church or you're in my direct community i may choose to take on that burden I may choose, and burdens maybe not even a fair word, uh, take on that um, responsibility. That might be a fair way to look at it, right? Well, this person belongs to my church. You know, they they just they just never got married, or their family died, or whatever the circumstances are. They're alone. So, at a Christian charity, we look out for them. Yeah, okay, that's fine. That makes sense. But how many of these people killed their babies in the womb? 
How many of these people ran out on their families? How many of these people chose, I don't know, a lifestyle of drugs or mm, (laughs) any other perversion? And now they're 75, 80 years old and they've got nobody and nothing because of their own bad behaviors. But yeah, apparently it's uh, at least in part now our responsibility to look after them. Okay, fair enough. We're still as we've got at least a generation or two below me, which would be the millennials and the Z's that are looking at what's going on and they're not happy about it. They're wondering how we're going to do this. Well, here's, here's the goal guys, Texas independence. If you're not comfortable here, I hear California is very nice this time here. Oh, it's scary that, you know, you might have a little more independence, a little more freedom than you currently have. Oh, that's okay. I recommend you check out New York. They'll tell you how to live your life. Yes, but even if you don't support Texas independence, I mean, obviously you want to support the idea of popular sovereignty. You want you want for people to make those decisions on their own, right? So at the very least, we can support, I don't know, putting forth a proposition on the next primary. Should Texas look into seeking its independence? I mean, that's a, just a valid question. I mean, that's not too bar heavy of a bar for you, is it? I mean, you, certainly you can take on that burden, right? Considering what would be involved. Now, they tell us it can't be done. They tell us it's irresponsible. Okay. Why? Why? Because a couple of guys in robes said so? Because some some creeps over in D.C. said no. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the founding generation that was here in 1836 would say otherwise. I'm fairly certain the founding generation that was around in 1776 would have said otherwise. And I further think the generation of 1860 would have said heck no. But again, we're here in Texas and we're not quite ready to say we want to go independent yet. But we shouldn't hide and shudder and be fearful because we're having a discussion of independence because that's not the same thing. It's not, it's not sedition. It's not traitorism. It's not traitorous act. It's purely walking away. It's separating. You guys go do your thing over there. We're going to do our thing here. It's happened many times before. And, you know, we could stop short of that. We could just have a governor that said enough. We're not going to play this game anymore. We're going to do our own thing. And, uh, yeah, your authority stops at that border. Whether it's the Red River or the Rio Grande, we're not listening to you here. I mean, if it's that important that we be stay part of the union, that's fine. But you're going to give us a free pass. We're going to pump all the oil, all the gas. We're going to, we're going to extract the coal. We're going to do what we need to do to produce the energy to stay on top of the world. And we're not worried about what you guys think in DC and Geneva and the WFers. Yeah. <laughs> Go away. Got no use for you. Again, the idea, this is Texas. We do our own thing. Apparently, If we were to think that way, we wouldn't waste time looking at whistleblowers that can prove nothing. We wouldn't waste time taking out one of our own because, well, he was a little naughty at some point in the past, maybe, but we can't prove it. And we have no evidence to suggest that that's the case. 
other than he hurt our feelings. Meanwhile, the real frauds, the real crooks, the guys that are literally destroying the nation as we speak, they have free pass. Yep. Now, again, if we would just assert our sovereignty, if we would just recognize that through the 10th Amendment, we can say no. We can establish that uh, you don't have that authority here. Stay in your own lane. If If we were just willing to do that, a lot of this would stop. But here's the problem. In Texas, it all boils down to the big three and what do they want to do? Now, to an, to an extent, I get it. Hey, you're the governor, you're the lieutenant governor, you're a speaker. You, you got the, the uh, big chair. Okay. So put Texas first for once. Set aside your personal whatever and put Texas first. I mean, I suspect there's a whole lot of moderates that are fully on board with the idea of putting Texas first or Texas first, not Texas necessarily, but Texas first. I, I don't think this is a problem for anybody putting Texas first. We want to consider what's best for Texas before we do anything else. So here on this Texas or <laughs> Texas Tuesday, yeah, we've talked about uh, the fact that we wasted a bunch of time, money, and effort trying to falsely convict um, our attorney general who is fighting the good fight. We are looking at what is sure to be a very interesting primary season because there are a lot of unhappy people with the way we chose to spend our time in the legislature. We're looking at a governor that maybe, just maybe, shows an inkling of having a hmm, little intestinal fortitude to do something. We will see. Perhaps maybe we saw the end of the Bush era. I've heard that trumpeted a couple of times by some um, right-wing folks, some some people that I would generally agree with. They seem to think that uh, this is the uh, the war, the big win. Okay, we'll wait and see. And I imagine the fallout is going to continue for quite some time in the political realm. Okay, maybe a few seats get flipped here, there. Uh, Maybe a few incumbents lose because they were not thinking clearly. Um, Maybe they don't. But it's sure to be interesting. And and really what's most interesting is, can they maybe, just maybe, do the bare minimum to look after the constituents that help elect them? I mean, we gave them eight priorities. Can we get those eight priorities dealt with? I mean, you have time for a couple hundred other things. Can we at least get the eight priorities? Now, I fully understand why a lot of folks, you know, their eyes roll when you talk about the platform of 300 some odd things. I get it. I do. And respectfully, I I wish it was 100 at most, but it's not. That ship sailed. But, But we've narrowed it down to eight principal or I'm sorry, eight principal items, right? The priorities that we want you to deal with, and we can barely get half of those. Yet we're going to hear the same story every time. Well, it was the most conservative session ever. We're going to talk about these two or three things that we did, and we spent a ton of money. We gave you some tax credits that yeah we could have done more, we could have done better, but hey, you know, it looks good, right? Feels good. 
this culture war thing. Yeah, we still don't know who uh, gets to use the girls' bathroom, but hey, you know, whatever. Now, look, it's Texas. We know better. It, the problem is they will actually prosecute the parents to protect their children. The problem is, is they will actually persecute the people that stand up for basic morals. The problem is that <laughs> the world's upside down. In this clown world we live in, somehow we're being led to believe that good is bad and bad is good. And we're supposed to just go along with that. I'm pretty sure there's a book I might have read, I don't know, a few Sundays in my life that talks about that concept when that comes about. That's not a good thing. And while we're on the topic, being that it is Texas Tuesday, not Texas, but Texas Tuesday, I was reminded that Texas has its own gold depository. We have a way of creating our own tender. I wonder when that's going to happen. I wonder if we're going to be able to do anything about that. Now, I, I might have mentioned that a little over a week ago, we had, uh, I guess it was almost two weeks ago, Kevin Freeman in, and he spoke on the idea of a pirate money, right? The idea of going back to a gold-backed currency, something that was separate from the central banks, something that was not digital currency, but was actual real currency. And apparently, apparently, there was 11 or 12 other states in our union. They're quite excited and very interested in this. Apparently, they didn't get their marching orders from the WEF yet. But this is encouraging because Texas was among them. If nothing else, if Texas skirts that issue and avoids the central bank digital currency, we could see positive future. We could see the future of Texas that we've all dreamed for. Maybe we do it with independence. Maybe we don't. But if we're financially stable and able to protect ourselves, and quite frankly, if we would just deal with the border issue, first and foremost, I hear from lots and lots of people that say the two most important things are voter integrity or the integrity of the voting system, if you prefer, and the border. Well, I would tell you that the two are intertwined completely. I would tell you that you can't really fix one without fixing the other. I will tell you that nothing matters if we don't fix those two things. Nothing can be corrected if we don't fix those two things. The beauty of it is I believe that Collin County has got the best system in the state. Is it perfect? No, nothing's perfect, but it's the best. And I'm confident of that because I trust the people that are doing it. Again, it doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean there aren't faults. It doesn't mean there aren't abuses that are outside of the control of the county elections office, but I believe they're doing the best job they can. I believe they're giving us a secure vote. But the problem is that does nothing about what goes on in Bear, Harris, Dallas. Don't even get me started on Houston, right? We can't overcome those problems unless we fix it at the state level. And that's the bare minimum we're asking. Just fix it. So here in the last minute or two of my Texas Tuesday, (laughs) let me remind you, if you don't have a border, you don't have a state. 
If you don't have a clean election, you don't have a state. And if you don't have a state, you're never ever going to present or I'm sorry, preserve Texas. Whether it's part of the union or an independent nation, you can preserve neither if you don't deal with those two issues. So if you've listened to nothing else I've said tonight or any other episode, rest assured, unless you secure the border and fix the voting system, it doesn't matter. And with that, this has been According to Callus. I will see you on the other side.